Hey everyone, a quick programming note to round out the year. I'm going to be playing some of our most listened to episodes so you can hear the amazing content from our great guest again. Thank you to everyone who's listened to the show and all the support you've shown. It's truly appreciated. And now, on with the show. The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you, but let me tell you, I'm even more excited to have our guest on today. He is a partner at Bar Down Investments, Mr. Jay Scott. Jay, thanks for joining us today. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Cody. Yeah, no, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you on. I know y'all have been incredibly busy over there the past couple of days, uh, so we really appreciate you getting up and making the time with us. Uh, for those that are hearing your name for the first time, which I doubt that's the case, but just in case they are, uh, would love to get your origin story, where you're from, how you got into real estate, and kind of where you're at these days. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I started back in 2008. I spent my career before real estate uh, doing tech stuff, and uh, I was doing the corporate thing. And 2008, my wife and I decided to get married, start a family. We were both in the tech world, and we were both working ridiculous number of hours, traveling a ridiculous amount. And we said, hey, this this just isn't going to work if we if we want to have kids and start a family. Uh, we really need some better work-life balance. So 2008, we left our jobs. We were trying to figure out what to do. And uh, we sort of fell into real estate. Uh, it's actually not an interesting story, but uh, my wife was watching HGTV one day and said, hey, let's flip a house while we're like while waiting to, uh, to, we were planning the wedding. We were trying to figure out what the next step was for us. So we flipped a house and that seemed to be kind of interesting to her. Uh, not sure, not sure if I liked it, but I said, okay, let's, let's do another one. And so we did another one and she said, okay, let's do another one. And, uh, before we knew it, we, uh, we were house flippers and, uh, I did not enjoy it. Like house flipping to me was a chore. Um, I'm not a handy guy. I'm not somebody that can swing a hammer. Uh, literally, literally we had just purchased our first personal residence that summer. So for me, if this, this wasn't really a great business choice. But then I realized that what I was good at, I wasn't good at the real estate part. I wasn't good at the contracting part, but I was good at the business part. I liked the business part. So I kind of gave myself a challenge to let's figure out how we can scale this thing um, without actually um, me spending time in the business, either doing the contracting or even managing the contractors. And once I started to look at it through that lens, how can I be a business owner and manage this like a business? Everything changed. We were able to scale the business. We were doing 40 or 50 flips a year. Uh, before we knew it, we had a couple hundred under our belt. I had written a few books. Um, everybody was know everybody knew me kind of as the guy that flipped houses. I had a popular blog. 2016, 17 rolls around. We were up to about 400 flips, and I was completely burned out. Um, we were we were good at flipping, but I just wasn't enjoying it. So took a year or two off, and then 2017 ish, mid 2017. Um, got the itch to go back to real estate. Uh, but this time, instead of single family, we decided, or I decided, uh, I was much more interested in doing the multifamily thing. So reached out to a, a friend of mine, uh, asked her to mentor me because she had been doing multifamily for a while. She agreed. Here we are three years later, we're partnering and we're doing some very large multifamily deals. And so that's where I am today. Perfect. Well, Jay, I love it. Uh, I know our audience 
uh, hears me say it almost every episode, but we, I truly love having everyone come on and tell that origin story because everyone's got a different background. It's interesting because it sounds like your wife and you did the same thing we did, except when we saw HGTV, we said, oh, yeah, we could never do that. I don't know the difference between a hammer and a nail. So I was like, yeah, we definitely can't do that. Uh, you know, Chip and Joanna were like way up here and we were way down here on the spectrum of understanding real estate. So we, we but, you know, fast forward and look where everyone is now. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's the nice thing. Uh, this industry, if uh, if you're willing to put in the time and the effort, it's it's not rocket science. It certainly takes an attention to detail and it takes a, a level of effort that some people aren't willing to put in. But if you are willing to put it in, um, anybody can be successful in this business. Love it. Love it. And I know, you know, speaking of success, you've had a bunch of it, but we're here to talk a little bit about something different, right? So uh, talk a little bit about some of the struggles or challenges you've had in your career that have helped probably mold and shape you to the success you've had today, but wanted to ask you about some of those challenges that you've experienced in your career and hopefully educate our audience on those today. Yeah. So uh, preparing to come on the show, I knew that I had to think about what those challenges were. And so I sat down and I kind of listed out um, some of the major challenges I've had over the last 15 years. And what I realized was there was kind of a common theme that kept emerging. Uh, most of my challenges have been around partnerships um, and working with other people. And given that so many of us kind of either start or evolve in this business by uh, bringing on partners or partnering or working in some way, shape, or form with other people. Um, what I found is that my experience with partnerships, my negative experience, I've had a lot of good experiences, but most of my negative experiences with partnerships aren't unique to me. Plenty of other investors, even very successful investors, especially su successful investors, uh, have run into the exact same issues I have. They're just common partnership issues that you'll see, whether it's real estate or business or whatever type of partnership you're doing. These are just common issues that all partners are going to face at some time or another. And so it's really important uh, that people understand kind of the partnership dynamics before they jump in uh, so that once they do jump in, they can recognize the warning signs. They can recognize what the, the signs of a good and a bad partnership are uh, so that they can make good decisions moving forward. Yeah. And, and I would imagine, I mean, when you're looking at something like that, it, it probably you're excited to get into real estate. You're excited to get into whatever venture you're getting into. Right. But we're talking about real estate specifically, but you're excited to get in. You, you know, you can't do it by yourself. And I think sometimes we overlook, we think, Hey, this person may be a good fit for me, but we maybe overlook some of the minute details or, or skip some of the steps to understand truly, are we going to be good partners here? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and so I've noticed that there have been some very common themes in my bad partnerships as well as my good partnerships. Um, and so over the years, I've kind of created a set of rules, sort of, uh, I guess, sort of a set of heuristics that I like to use anytime. And, and I know it sounds crazy, but I actually have a checklist uh, that I use when, when I'm looking or considering a new partnership. Um, and, and it's kind of like if I can't check off all the boxes, um, I'm just not willing to move forward. Well, I mean, I think that makes sense. Why, why not have a, a criteria or validation process to make sure that you're going to do this? We do it with our investments, right? You know, we, yep. we take it through underwriting. We, we go through all the steps to validate and make sure this is a good business opportunity. Yep. Absolutely. I, I think, think to your point, like 
why don't we do that with, with our actual other business opportunities, which is our partner, who's going to be helping us with all these ventures? Absolutely. Yeah. So what, if you don't mind, uh, what are some of the criteria that you look for when you're looking uh, and evaluating partners or, or yeah. uh, partnering with somebody? Yeah, absolutely. So the very first thing I look for is, do we have a history together? I kind of relate this to uh, a marriage. A partnership really is a long-term relationship, hopefully. Um, and it's no different than the relationship that you have with family or with a spouse. I mean, if you met uh, a, a woman or a man tomorrow and, and went out on a date or two, you wouldn't get married next week or next month. It would probably be a year or two before you did because you want to learn about that person. You want to see the good side, but you also want to see the bad side. And so the same thing in a partnership. You want to have somebody, you want to partner with people that you have a history together because you want to know how do they handle pressure? How do they handle when things go wrong? Everybody thinks about the good side of uh, partnerships. They think about, oh, together we're going to make millions of dollars. But nobody thinks, well, what happens when a deal goes south? What happens when the economy turns and, and we run out of money? What happens when we run into a major renovation issue and everybody's stressed out? How does that person handle stress? How do they handle adversity? So if you don't have a history with somebody, it really makes it difficult to know what you're getting into. My wife and I dated for several years. I knew by the time I got married, all the bad things that were likely to happen because I knew her personality. I knew how she, she handled things. Likewise, she knew how I handled adversity. And so we could go into that relationship. We can go into that marriage knowing that if there was an issue, how the other person would react and we could plan for that. Same way with a partnership. So my first rule of partnerships is really, do you have a history with that person? Do you know that person well enough that you know how they're going to react when something bad happens? And can you handle that? So that's number one. Number two, I want to make sure that both sides agree on the vision. So I've seen too many partnerships where both sides are kind of excited to, to get somewhere, but they don't really talk about, the partners don't really talk about where it is they want to get to. And the problem is if I'm on one path and you're on another path and we're both kind of moving forward, well, eventually those paths might diverge. And if those paths diverge in the middle of a deal or in the middle of a, uh, of a relationship where there's lots of money on the line, well, that's a problem because you're going to start fighting about how do you get to the end line? Where does the end line, where is the end line? What's the end goal? Uh, the best example I use is that um, when, when it comes to agreeing on a vision is knowing what the financial goals of the other person is. So let's say, Cody, you and I want to partner up on something. And let's say we don't talk about our financial goals. Well, we get two, three, six months, a year into the, the partnership. And let's say your goal is to make a million dollars per year. Let's say my goal is to make $100,000 a year. So we're in the middle of this partnership. We're doing a couple of flips, let's say. And we get, after two months, we get 100K in profit. I'm thinking, great, I've now achieved my goals for the year. You, on the other hand, are thinking, well, okay, I'm 10% of the way there. I want a million dollars per year. So what happens? I'm going to sit back and say, okay, I've made my 100K. I can relax now. Maybe we'll do a couple more deals, but I don't really have to put in the time and energy to get to a million dollars a year because I've hit my goal. You, on the other hand, are looking at me thinking, what's he doing? We need to get to a million dollars a year. So if you and I haven't talked about the fact that we have different financial goals, one big risk is that we get a little bit into this partnership. I'm laying back, sitting on the beach, happy with, with our progress. You're working 80 hours a week thinking, what's he? why is he being so lazy? 
So it's just one example of where talking about the vision and making sure that both parties have the same end goals in mind, have the same, um, the, the, all the same goals and desires and needs for that partnership. So number two is really, do you agree on the vision? Number three, um, this is an interesting one. A lot of us think that uh, partnership is all about completely uh, democratized relationship where both parties have an equal say and, and everything's voted on and everything's agreed upon. But what I've noticed is that very rarely does a partnership work when both parties look to the other side to always agree with them. At the end of the day, somebody needs to be in charge. At the end of the day, somebody needs to have veto power because in a two-person partnership, there are going to be a lot of situations where you're just not going to agree on a decision. And whether that's a tiny little decision like um, uh, what vendor do we go for for this piece of software or a big decision like do we hold this piece of property or do we sell it? At the end of the day, there's going to be disagreements. And if you and I are in a partnership and we don't have a good mechanism for determining who makes that final decision, well, what happens? Nothing happens. And ultimately, that decision is made by others or the decisions made uh, just by default. And it's never good when decisions are made passively. We need to make active decisions. So I like to tell people when you go into a partnership, one person needs to have veto power. One person ultimately needs to be the decider in that relationship. It doesn't mean you can't be 50-50 financial partners, doesn't mean you can't be co-CEOs or whatever title you want to give yourself, but internally you have to know who has the final decision. And if that's you, you need to be willing to step up and take that responsibility. If it's the other person, you need to be able to relinquish that control. So the third big thing I always say is make sure that somebody is in charge and make sure both parties agree on who that somebody is. Number four is how the working relationship works out. So um, in any partnership, um, on one day, one partner may be working for the other partner. So if, if there's a situation um, where, let's say, today is all about marketing, and I'm, I'm the marketing guy in the relationship, well, I may call you in, Cody, and say, hey, this is what I need you to do today. I'm building this marketing strategy, and I need you to do X, Y, and Z. And tomorrow, we may be talking about underwriting. And since you're in charge of underwriting, Cody, you're going to say to me, hey, Jay, um, we're working on underwriting today, so I need you to do X, Y, and Z. Some days, basically, you're going to be working for me. You're going to be doing the stuff that I need you to do because that's, that's my responsibility. Other days, I'm going to be working for you. I'm going to be helping you carry out whatever responsibilities you have. And there are people out there that are really good at managing. There are people out there who are really good at following. But there aren't a whole lot of people out there that can play both roles. So what I like to say is if you're going to have a good partnership, you need to be able to say, hey, Cody, I'm willing to work for you. I'm able to work for you. I'm good with working for you. But likewise, you need to be able to say, say the same thing. There are going to be times when you need to be willing and able to work for me instead. So anytime you go into a partnership, ask yourself the question, is this somebody that I'm willing to work for? And is this somebody I'm willing to manage? And make sure you ask the other person the same question. Are they willing to work for you? And are they willing to manage you? So that's number four. Number five is probably one of the most important, and it's often overlooked. I see too many people that go into a partnership thinking, I'm looking for somebody exactly like me. I'm new to this business. I want to flip houses. If I go find somebody else that's new to this business and wants to flip houses and has the same background I do and the same skill set I do, we're going to have an amazing partnership because we're so much alike. Well, the truth is 
That's not what builds a great partnership. What builds a great partnership is when two people have a complementary set of skills. In other words, a set of skills that one fills in, one person's strengths fill in the other person's weaknesses and vice versa. So I don't want both of us to be able to swing a hammer and understand how to do contracting. And then neither of us know how to do acquisitions or marketing. I want you to be able to do all the things I'm bad at. And I want to be able to do all the things you're bad at so that when you put us together, we're bigger than, than, than our components. Um, the, the saying that uh, the, the pieces are bigger than the whole, that's very much what a partnership is. And you only get that when you have complementary skills. So while it's natural for us to want to go out and find people exactly like us in the exact same situation with the exact same background, in reality, what we should be looking for are people who are, I don't want to say completely different, but have a complementary set of skills. They're good at all the things we're bad at, and we're good at all the things they're bad at. And so for me, those are kind of the five components, the five questions I ask anytime I go into to a partnership. So just to summarize first. Do we have a history together? Have we worked together before? Do we know each other's strengths and weaknesses? Do we agree on the vision? Have we talked about the vision? Um, do we know that we're both on the same page on where we want to head? Number three, do we know who's in charge? Is somebody in charge? And are we both comfortable with who that person is that's ultimately has veto power in the partnership? Uh, number four, would I work for my partner? Would I manage my partner? And likewise, would my partner work for me? And would my partner be willing to manage me? Because we're going to see all those different relationship dynamics at some point in the partnership. And then finally, do we have a complementary set of skills? Um, do, we, do we have more together than each of us has individually? And those are kind of the five heuristics I look for anytime I'm going into a partnership. So for those listening at home, if you haven't written those down, please go back and play that again and do it. Because I think that nails it on the head as far as everything you probably need to look for and evaluate a partnership. And there were a few things in there that I'm like jotting down as you're, as you're saying them, Jay. And I'm like, man, you know, I think we've had this conversation, but I need to go back with my partner and validate that we've had these types of conversations. And I think sometimes we can have them uh, kind of haphazardly, right? So we just kind of go along the way, but we haven't had that formal, okay, when something comes up, who's making the decision? especially as you said, in those two-person partnerships. Uh, I yeah. think that's crucial. And, and here's the other thing I'll say. Uh, too many of us go into a partnership like trying to avoid conflict. We go in thinking, okay, it's, 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 we're two weeks in. I don't want to have a big fight. So they're scared to have this conversation because they're like, if I have this conversation, I might piss off my partner. Or worst case, they, they're scared to have the conversation because they know if they have the conversation, they're going to find out something that's going to indicate that it's not a good partnership. What I would say is sit down with your partner and say, look, we need to have a really hard discussion. We need to make sure that, that this is going to work. And if both sides aren't willing to have a hard discussion on day one, well, I can promise you both sides aren't going to be willing to have a hard discussion when everything goes wrong. So if you can't have that discussion up front, if you're scared to have that discussion up front, if you're scared to confront your potential partner on these types of things up front, well, that could be your first sign that maybe this isn't the right partnership for you. Absolutely. Jay, I think that's as good enough spot as ever really to wrap up. I, I honestly can't thank you enough for coming on board and, and seriously dropping that knowledge on us. I, I really hope the audience takes that to heart as they're either evaluating things that they're looking to get into now, or maybe even ones that they're already in and, and looking themselves in the mirror and saying, Hey, is this the right fit for me? So for Jay, for those that maybe want to work with you, want to invest with you, want to learn from you, where's the best place people can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So if anybody wants to connect with me in any way, shape or form, 
If you go to www.connectwithjscott, just the letter J, .com, www.connectwithjscott, that will link you out to basically everything I have going on. Perfect. We'll drop that in the show notes for everyone to, to grab as quickly as possible. Jay, again, thank you for jumping on board with us this morning. Thanks for having me, Cody. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening at home. We'll catch everyone next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.